You're listening to Pastor Jesse Miller of City Lights Church. This is where we're starting this morning. Let's read in verse 12. On the following day, when they came from Bethany, he was hungry, Jesus. And seeing in the distance a fig tree in leaf, he went to see if he could find anything on it. And when he came to it, he found nothing but leaves, for it was, in, for it was not the season for figs. And he said to it, May no one ever eat fruit from you again. And the disciples heard it. Verse 15. And they came to Jerusalem and he entered the temple and he began to drive out those who sold and those who bought in the temple and overturned the tables and the money changers and the seats of those who sold pigeons. And he would not allow anyone to carry anything through the temple. And he was teaching them and saying to them, Is it not written, My house shall be called a house of prayer? For all the nations, but you have made it a den of robbers. And the chief priests and the scribes heard it and were seeking a way to destroy him. And they feared him because all the crowd was astonished at his teachings. And when the evening came, they went out to the city. Verse 20. And they passed in the morning. They saw the fig tree withered away to its roots. And Peter remembered and said to him, Rabbi, look, the the fig tree that you cursed has withered. We're going to stop there. Now, we seemingly have two different stories here that happen over, he kind of encapsulates them together in this passage. We see Jesus and the disciples are walking, and Jesus sees this fig tree, it says, in leaf. And he walks up to it, and he gets to it, and he sees that there's no fruit, there's no figs on the tree. And Jesus' response is, you're cursed, wither and die. No one should ever eat from you again. And then it says... It was not in season for the figs. Now, at first glance, you might think, wait a minute. This is kind of like Jesus walking up to an apple tree in the middle of winter and being very angry that there's no apples on it and then cursing it and destroying it. Saying, no one should ever eat from you again. You're an apple tree in the middle of winter that doesn't give me an apple. That seems kind of illogical, correct? Anybody else think that's like really... Man, this is an angry Jesus. Like, what's going on with Jesus? He's, it's a bad day for him. He, there's no figs on this tree. Oh, people are selling things in the church. Chicken tables. Jesus is, seems angry right now. Like, he is he's on a rampage. Jesus walks, to, he sees this tree that's bearing leaves, and there's no fruit on it, and he curses it. The thing is, a fig tree, the moment a leaf sprouts, the fruit is already being sprouted. So if you see a fig tree that has leaves, there's supposed to be fruit. Even though there wasn't, it wasn't in season, he sees the fig tree with leaves and logically thinks there better be fruit because it has leaves. If a fig tree is not in season and it's not supposed to bear fruit, it shouldn't be showing leaves. Does that make sense? So... When he sees the one thing, it's supposed to associate with the other. And he sees, okay, you look like you should have fruit right now, but you don't. You look like you're supposed to have something coming out of you, but you don't. See, this is like an ultimate sign of hypocrisy. You say, you're, you say and show that you're one thing, but really you're not. When you get close enough to see, there's nothing there. How many, how many of you guys hate when things are different than what they appear to be? You women are like, 
How many of you hate going to the store that there's a blowout sale or some awesome, my wife's a couponer. If you need some free deodorant at CVS, my wife can figure, figure out how to get you a year's supply by tomorrow. Like, I will never buy any hygiene product again. She leaves CVS, and I, I'm sorry, CVS. I know your family's working there now, but she's robbing from you every day. It's awesome. She leaves, and she's like, yeah, they owe me $10. Like, it's awesome. This whole bag of groceries cost me 12 cents. I'm like, great. She's figured out how. But how many of you hate when you get to a store, and you got the coupon, or where they advertise a sale, buy one, get one 50% off, and you take up two, and they're like, oh, no, not that one. That one doesn't make the deal. Like, that one's not, that one's not part of the special items. Why didn't another well, Look real here. You get the magnifying glass out. It says that hat that you wanted, that's nah, not for you. You can't get the 50% off. That happened to me and Jimmy a couple weeks ago. I was like, Jimmy, we can, I, we can both get hats, and then we can split the bill, and it'll be cheaper. And his hat was on sale. My hat wasn't, so he didn't get any sale because I didn't get anything. So how many of us hate? We hate, though, when something appears one way, and it's not really that way. We're disappointed. We're like, wait, you just scammed me. You just said something, but it's different. We don't like that. It's something about it frustrates us. When I, when I think of, uh, this is probably a, a really embarrassing story, not for myself. I tell a lot of embarrassing stories about myself, so we're going to skip that this week. But I remember being a teenager, and uh, I'm sitting at the kitchen table, and my mom's by the counter, and my mom had just scooped up herself a nice bowl of chocolate ice cream. She's got the scooper out, the spoon. She lays the spoon down. She's got her bowl here. She puts the ice cream in the freezer. She comes back, and she's getting ready to get her bowl, and she's, like, not really paying attention. She grabs a spoon laying on the counter. Looks like it's got chocolate ice cream on it. Puts it in her mouth, eats it. Instantly realized, that's the spoon I used to get the wet dog food out of the can. When things aren't as they appear, it can be dangerous. It can be really scary and not very happy moment for you. I just like that's like one of the moments that I'm, I just remember my dad and I just lost it. Like, like mom, remember you ate dog food? Like, <laughs> next time she's here, please don't say anything about that. It'll be bad. So Jesus sees these fig trees that that are showing advertising for fruit. He's been walking, making this journey, and it's advertising fruit, and there's no fruit. The next thing he gets to, see, to me, some of us can look at these as two separate stories. I see them as one. He sees the temple. He's walking to the temple. It's supposed to be a house of prayer, and he gets in, and all he sees is greed. All he sees is people trying to make money. Selling things, exchanging money, raising tax rates. If you do a historical study, Jesus is not mad about sacrifices that they're trying to do here. Jesus isn't mad about offering. This is not a message anti-offering, anti-giving the church or the church taking some sort of offering. This is an anti-greed and idolatry thing that Jesus sees. He comes in and he says, you're advertising on the outside a temple, a place of my dwelling, and I come in and I see a place of your dwelling, of your idolatry, of your greed. I see a place that advertises something healthy and good and what we're created for, a place created for his presence, and you've turned it into something else. 
So Jesus isn't this crazy guy who's mad because he can't get a fig in the morning and because he sees people selling doves in the afternoon at church and he's kicking tables. Jesus is frustrated when he says, you were created to bear fruit and you don't bear fruit. You were created to have be a place in my dwelling and you're not even interested in the God that you're claiming to be a place for. This is what's happening here. See, Mark combines these two occurrences, I think, beautifully because he wants us to see a picture of what Jesus is doing. He wants us to see a picture of what it looks like to be a place that's created for something and living a life of hypocrisy. As believers, we're supposed to be willing, or we're supposed to be living our lives filled with the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. We're supposed to be living this way. And we show the leaves of these fruits to the world. But I wonder how often we show the leaves of those fruits, but there's no fruit there on our tree. We give in the offering every Sunday, but in our life, we're very greedy. We're very, we wouldn't give to any charity unless it's the ALS Foundation, and I have to because it's on Facebook. It's the only thing we give to all year long. So let me, let me show you a little fruit, a little leaf of generosity, but the rest of the t- time, I'm not giving to anything. I can't give to that $1 make a wish foundation that my grocery store wants me to do because it's one dollar at the end of my bill we, we live this you guys, i'm not trying to bust on anything here i'm just saying we show fruit when it when we need to show leaves we show hey yeah i'm a giving person but then the rest of the time what's all about what can i keep for myself we act kind and we act generous to our coworker because we want to get along with them but when we get home we're quick to be angry with our kids we're quick to yell and, and lose our control. and So we show the leaf of gen- gentleness here, but we don't have any gentleness when it comes to family. There's no fruit. There's no fruit that's really there. We act joyful to everyone around us as if we've got it all together, life's happy. But the truth is if somebody gets real close, they see you're depressed and you're, you're angry and you're broken. I think it's sad that recently in the news, We've seen the number one thing that would pop to our mind is the life of Robin Williams. Every time you think of Robin Williams, you think of this guy who's incredibly happy, incredibly energetic, and the whole time fighting this inner battle of depression. Also recently, in the last two weeks in the news, two major pastors have committed suicide. Where literally they were preaching to their church the week before about the goodness and love of Christ. While inside they were struggling and broken and they couldn't let anybody see that. They didn't want anybody to know that they were hurting on the inside. They didn't have everything figured out. So all of a sudden, they ended. Two major pastors in the last few weeks. This saddens me. That they thought they had to live a life that showed signs of fruit, but the inside was barren and, and, and empty. We claim to be a place or churches of the presence of God in the house of prayer, but inside we look like chaos and we lack everything. We, we lack all prayer. I've said this before, and I'm not, this is not supposed to be a harsh message this morning. 
But I've said this multiple times. I want us to value and create a culture of prayer here that changes the city. And I've said this before, kind of jokingly, but it's true. We put, out a bull, we put out a flyer about a picnic, and there's 40 of us overnight. We put out a flyer about a prayer night for two months, and there's three of us. I don't want us to be a house of us. Fun is good. God, God created us to enjoy life. But we should also be a house of prayer that values his presence, that seeks his face, that wants to hear from him. And know him and experience him. So when Jesus sees a temple that's anything but a a place that's seeking him, it angers him inside. This is not what you were created for. What I am not saying is this. What I'm not saying is that a church, a good church won't have hypocrisy in it. That a good Christian life won't have areas of hypocrisy in it. I'm not saying that. What I am saying is that a church needs to learn how to recognize those things, and we personally need to recognize our own hypocrisy and fruitlessness in our lives. And how do we live with them? How do we handle them? How do we grow in them? A few weeks ago, Pastor Dennis was here, and he did the installation service. And uh, I, Martin, I talked to you literally a few days before, and I felt like Dennis's message was the exact same thing I talked to you about. Dennis shared about how a church isn't just about a, a Sunday morning place, but it's a family. It's a, it's a place where there's real vulnerability. There's real openness. There's real ground rules for the house. Like, this is how the house operates. This is how we work. This is how we function. This is how we do life together. Okay, so what you're doing right there doesn't quite fit the way the church is supposed to do life. So in love, as a family, we address that and we grow in that. Does that make sense? In a family, if my wife has a major issue, health issue, I'm going to look at it and say, hey, how can I help you with this? How can I take you to a doctor? How can I love you through this? How can we, how can we figure this out? If there's a relationship issue, I'm going to look at her and say, hey, this is an issue. Let's work on this. I'm not going to bounce out and go somewhere else. I'm not going to abandon family because there's an issue. What I'm saying in the same way, when I look at this, when I see fruitlessness in a church, the answer isn't just knock it out. And when I see a place that's not a house of prayer go to another house, what I see is a Jesus who says, that's not fruitful. Hey, that's not the way the house was created to be. Let's get the junk out of the house. Let's create this into a place it's supposed to be. I'm not saying that we're going to be a place that doesn't have hypocrisy because you and I each have issues in our life that we're working on. What I want is for Jimmy and Ben and my wife and everybody that I trust in here to say, hey, Jesse, uh, you're showing leaves, but there's no fruit right here. What I want is for me to be able to do the same thing. And so that after a while... It's not a bunch of leaves. It's all we have. We live our entire life here in Scranton in this church, and all we have is leaves but no fruit. After a while, we recognize, hey, there's a problem on this branch. Let's cut that branch off, and let's give you a new tree. Let's give you something that actually grows fruit. I, I hope this, is, this symbolism is making sense this morning. I, I hope this is making sense. Verse 20, it says, And as they passed by in the morning, they saw the fig tree was withered away its roots. 
See, there, there are two things that I want to point out. That when we don't spot inconsistencies and we don't fix them, there's two, I think there's two responses that the typical person has or two, two outcomes that can happen. Number one, use the example from my own life. If you know me, um, I love hiking. I love, and there's a story behind it, not because I'm a great athlete or anything. I got flat feet. So hiking is very bad for me physically. Spiritually, it's a great thing. I love the outdoors. But if you also know me, I am horribly allergic to poison. Poison ivy, poison oak. I don't know if there's any other poisons or not. Poison sumac, I think. I don't know. There's all kinds of poisons. And I have been on steroids twice in my life for poison. One time, I literally thought my hand was going to be disfigured for the rest of my life because it was that bad. It was, it was freaky. Um, it was bad. Thankfully, there's no scars. I look good. It's, it's okay. You can examine it later if you want. But poison, the idea of poison anything scares me because I've encountered it once or twice to where it hurt me really bad. And I didn't even have to, like, I didn't touch it. It was just, like, in the air. It was one of those deals where I just, like, I breathe poison and I'm on steroids for the next week. It's bad. So what's the standard saying about poison ivy or poison? Leaves of three, let it be. Guess what? There are a lot of plants that have leaves of three on it. I can count all kinds of plants right now if I go outside. There's a weed outside that probably has three leaves on it. Four-leaf clovers, they're special. You know why? Because standard clovers have three leaves. So, logically, I would say, no, I'm not touching that. It's poison. So that's what I've done in my life. <laughs> Every time I go to the woods, that's poison. That's poison. That's poison. I don't touch a plant every time I go hiking on the Appalachian Trail. That's tough to do. Like you're just standing on the rocks the whole time. Oh, there's a bush. <laughs> the, they, don't, they don't maintain that trail, the Appalachian Trail, too well. So I am ducking under anything that grows. That's my response. I also know in life there are poisonous snakes that exist. And I know that certain ones are poisonous, certain ones are not. No. Red on yellow, kill a fellow. Red on black, venom black. I know those things. Problem is, not every poisonous snake is red on black or red on yellow. So my response in life is, I'm not touching any snakes. You will never see me hold a snake. If you were afraid that this was a snake handling church, it is not. We don't do that here. I don't do that ever. It won't happen. I also know there's poisonous spiders. You know, you got your uh, brown recluse, black widow. Every snake looks like a black widow to me. Every snake. Brown recluse. I've seen a lot of brown spiders in my house. They are all recluse to me. So I don't touch snakes. I don't touch spiders. I don't touch plants that have three leaves. What I think happens, though, in, our ch- in churches, people are hurt through hypocrisy. Oh, this person's supposed to be loving. It's supposed to be like Jesus. And they hurt me, so I'm not touching the church at all. That's not the response that we see. That's not the response we're supposed to have in loving the community and the family of Christ. It leads to a very unhealthy lifestyle. I can't touch a lot of things because I'm afraid of it. 
if we respond that way to hurts and hypocrisy in the church, it leads us to living a secluded, isolated life. And we've talked about over and over again that we are created for community. We're created for relationship. God himself is an example of relationship and community in the Trinity. We are created for relationship. And if every time we're hurt, we decide there's relationships that don't go, go well in the church, I'm cutting the church off, then we lose something in our life. I hope you understand what I'm saying here. That's not the proper response to the hurt and brokenness that happens in the church. There's another response that can happen. Because I am, like, I love the idea of hiking and being out in the woods. I love the idea of it. I'm not built for it. You give me two nights in the woods, that's it for me. I need to talk to some people. I'm just, that's who I am. I can't do the seclusion. But I'm also a movie guy. And if you've ever seen the movie Into the Wild, it's based on a true story of this guy who decides to, he's got like a great college thing lined up. He's got great potential. His mom and dad give him some money and he goes. They think he's going to college. Instead, he's making a trip to Alaska because he wants to live in the wilderness by himself. And to me, I love this idea. Never going to do it. And if you know the story, it's a sad story. This guy, it's a true story. Um, Christopher McCandles. He arrives in this upper part of Alaska, living the dream. He finally gets there. And he's got his book of all the proper plants and herbs to eat. And, so, and he can't trap any animals because he just can't find any. It's snow everywhere. So he's starting to look for herbs and plants and things that he can eat. And he's looking at his book. He's holding up this plant. And he's like, yeah, this is a good one. Eats it. And then realizes later it was the wrong plant. It looked like something, but it wasn't. And the sad thing is he dies alone in a bus in the middle of the Alaskan wilderness. Sorry if I just ruined the ending for you. It's a great movie. Go watch it anyway. Sometimes if we let things that look like something good and they're not good take root in our lives and stay that way, it can destroy us. It can destroy us spiritually. It can destroy us physically. I want to be a church. I want to be a people that we can, in a good way, say, look, this isn't healthy. This isn't the right fruit. That might look good, but it's really bitter and poisonous. And let's remove that and replace it with something healthy and, and good that brings life. I, I hope you understand what I'm saying this morning. Jesus isn't this God that's just angry at things that don't grow or, or, or churches that sell fundraisers. That's not what it's about. Our God's a God who says, you know what, this isn't life, and I want to give you life. I come that you might have life and life more abundantly. This is a God who comes into our churches and into our relationships, and he reveals things that aren't healthy. And because we're family, because we're friends, and we, it's not just a matter of, like, okay, he addressed this issue, now I'm uncomfortable, I leave. It's, hey, maybe this is something that's really bad here. Maybe this is something that we need to work through. Maybe this is something the Spirit and that God wants to change and bring real life in our lives. I'm excited this morning that when we talk about Jesus, he is a God. He is the Savior that really does bring life transformation. 
and he brings fruit into our lives. I'm thankful that people have revealed blind spots in my own heart and in my own life that I didn't recognize. And now in that same area that I was really ugly or really weak, there's some fruit growing. I'm really thankful that somebody pointed out and said, look, you look like a person who's supposed to be the temple of God, but really, you're really selfish right there. You're really broken. And I'm thankful that that person loved me enough to say, that's bad. That, that's a wrong area in your heart. And I was able to say, you know what? That is a selfish area in my heart. God, change that. Do something. I'm thankful that Jesus loves us enough to kick over some tables, to remove some trees that don't grow anything good. I'm thankful enough that that's the God that we serve. If our worship team can come forward, we want to do something this morning. We want to take communion here in a minute. But I don't, I don't want to miss this opportunity. If you don't know who, the Christ, if you don't have a relationship with, with the Christ that we're talking about this morning, there are, there are multiple people, there are countless people in this room who have lived very broken, hurtful pasts who have come out of all kinds of abuse, addictions, self-esteem problems, who have come out of every kind of hurt, every kind of issue, and Christ has restored those areas and brought life. This is the God of the Bible. And this morning, if you don't know him, I would love to talk to you after service. It's simply saying, I need a Savior. I need someone to come in and get rid of the junk and redeem me to make my life whole. I'm thankful that I know a lot of your stories and I've seen how God has just completely wrecked some of your lives. I'm thankful that I know my own brokenness and I'm thankful that he has come in and he's wrecked my life in a good way. He's completely gotten rid of some broken areas and he's still getting rid of broken areas. When we take communion this morning, it is a, th- it's a symbol that we take as believers, as those of us who have found Christ and placed faith in Christ as our, as our hope, as our salvation. But when we do that this morning, it's, we, are, we are doing something that symbolizes the hope that we have in him, that he's restoring all things and making all things new. This morning, I want to worship. I want to worship Him a little bit. I want to take communion this morning, and I want to, if we can, in our own hearts, if we can spend some time reflecting, where are these things that I'm showing everybody leaves, but I'm broken, I'm hurting, and I got no fruit there. Where, where are the areas in my life where I'm calling myself the temple of God? Because that's what Scripture says we are. We're the temple of, of the Holy Spirit now. You and I, if you're in Christ, you are the temple of the Holy Spirit. But where are those areas where I'm displaying a Holy Spirit temple, but there's nothing but vacancy or selfishness inside that area? This morning, as we take communion, we recognize that he is restoring us, that he has already called us righteous, but he is now restoring us. He's making all things new, and he's bringing fruit in our lives. This is a, some of this part of the message might seem a little harsh this morning, but this is good news because it's harsh for me as well as it is for you. It's a reality for me as it is for you. I'm being vulnerable and honest with you this morning. There are parts of my faith that shake 
There are parts of my faith that are very strong. There are parts of the fruit of the Spirit that are really good. There are parts of the fruit of the Spirit that I seem to lack. But with Christ and with the church, the family that Pastor Dennis talked about a few weeks ago, those areas don't have to lack. They don't have to be a blind spot for me forever. That's good news. I'm excited about that. That's what I'm asking of you. That's what I'm asking to be a part of. As we move forward as a church, I want to lay that foundation of vulnerability and family. Dennis talked about it, and it was spot on with what I talked about with Martin a couple days before. We want to be a culture that's vulnerable and honest and growing and loving, and it's family. And we can only do that because of Christ. We can only do that because of Him.